Kyle Gunther joins us now. Kyle, good morning. Good morning, gentlemen. Last week was the most insane weekend of college football I've ever seen. Uh, I don't know what to expect this week. Do a little recap first before we move on with the Utes. Uh, what were your takeaways from that ball game? It was the strangest game I've seen at Utah football in 10-plus years. I've never seen catches like what USC was able to make. There was two or three that were physically impossible. The Amon Ross St. Brown touchdown beating double coverage. I think it was Javelin Gidry and Julian Blackman were both there. That's just a play that can't be made. It's indefensible. There's no scheme for that. If a quarterback and a receiver can hook up in that fashion, if you've got a guy like Amon Ross St. Brown who's able to high point that football, there's nothing you can do about it, but it should not happen. There was a play to Michael Pittman in double coverage. I think he beat Tariq Lewis at one point. It's so strange when you see the defense for Utah uh, and specifically the defensive backs get beat, and that's what cost Utah the game because it never happens because Utah's defense has been so elite. They carry the team in 10 or 11 games every single year, and that's just the way that Utah football's designed. So, you know, the, the strangeness of knocking out a freshman quarterback on the first drive, and then Matt Fink comes in and was going to transfer out. He's got the weirdest throw I've seen as far as just the, the lob he's got. He, his passes were floating, and it felt like Utah's defensive backs missed timed and misjudged the footballs but overall there was an insane amount of penalties and I don't just mean oh they, they were picking on the youth I mean watching that game every two plays yeah. there was a hanky on the field and right. it made the game I mean I, some of those holding calls were absolutely bushly there was a holding call against uh, Nick Ford that was just incorrect and I believe that was the, the situation where Whittingham even picked up a, uh, he got the flag for unsportsmanlike, which that's got to happen maybe once every four years with Whittingham. He usually keeps his composure. So it was a passionate game. It was a strange game. But it wasn't even the strangest game in the Pac-12 last week. That was this UCLA comeback that I've never seen. Anything. Big adjustments happen the first month of the season. Conference play is here, and you're seeing game plans change for a lot of teams. But Utah-USD was one of the, the, the least explainable games we've seen in a long time. So what do you expect out of the offense without Zach Moss? And I think that's twofold. You know, they ran for over 200 yards against SC, but SC clearly has problems. If you get off the edge, you get outside, you use your speed and get out to the numbers, and you, you can get big plays against that USC defense. Do you think the Utes are going to be able to run the ball that effectively assuming Zach Moss isn't playing in this game? Well, I really like Devin Brumfield and what he showed against USC, but you know, Washington State gave up several really long plays to UCLA, uh, and I believe a lot of them were through the air. Uh, I, I know UCLA had two different special team scores. They had a 100-yard kick return. So Washington State missed tackles in the open field, but you tell me which Utah running back you feel like has the best chance to get into the open field. So if we're talking about an explosive play, which is a play of 25 yards or more, that's where the youth need to get to because that's on film from last week. UCLA was able to do that, albeit some of it was on special teams. But if Utah football can't run the ball, they're, they're not going to be able to accomplish their goals. Now, Utah's offensive line did not play well against USC. Utah's offensive line got beat 
several times very badly. Guards, tackles, it was a cluster, Frank. They had to move Nick Ford to tackle. They moved him back to guard. You can't do that in the course of a game. If you're doing that, that means you've got serious issues. Now, that being said, it's partly because USC has the second-best D-line in the conference. Washington State's D-line is not that good. Washington State's linebackers are not that good. So, yeah, Utah should have more success running the football against Washington State. But then the question becomes, you know, you're going against air raid offenses back-to-back weeks. Utah's defensive backs looked they, they looked like they were out of position half the game against USC. Now, USC has the best receivers in the country. Now, outside of Devontavion Martin for Washington State, their receivers are going to be a little easier to cover, a little more manageable. So uh, I'm expecting Utah's defensive backs to play better because I've rarely seen them play worse than they did last week. Yeah, that's true uh, on many different accounts. You know, you rarely have seen them play worse. And the fact that you make that statement that SC collectively has the best receivers in the country, I don't necessarily disagree with that whatsoever. They got a couple of top-end guys, and even whoever you decide, uh, uh, to me, Pittman is the the best. And the other two, who's the other guys, uh, you know, uh, Vaughn's or St. Brown, I think that they are certainly within the realm of being close. So you combine them together, and they're not going to face that talent. But you look at Washington State's receivers, and I think, and and doing my preseason study, they returned guys who caught collectively 30 touchdown passes last year. I mean, just a staggering number of guys. Six of their top seven or seven of their top eight guys were back. So even though they don't have the depth, and nobody really does, the quality at the top that SC has, they have a number of guys and how do you think that plays out in that none of these guys are pitmen, but they're all capable of getting you at any time. So you really can't double or you can't put Jalen Johnson on somebody to try to shut them down because their depth is probably as good, combined with the system, of course. So how much of a challenge is that going to be that you can't zero in on one or two guys? Well, yeah, I mean, PK, that was the issue last week is Jalen Johnson got burned on that very first series, and there was one play, I think it was Michael Pittman, he made an amazing grab over Jalen Johnson. Maybe it was Amon Ross St. Brown, but either way, that makes sense. Those guys are going to the NFL, and and Pittman, you guys saw him at Pac-12 Media Day. He's the size of a high school offensive tackle. He's freakishly big, but after that, Jalen Johnson was silent the whole rest of the game for the most part. He didn't get beat. And everyone expects that. But Tariq Lewis struggled. Uh, Javelin Guidry struggled. Uh, Julian Blackman struggled against USC. And so when you're talking about that depth, that's what Washington State is going to test. So they're going to find Jalen Johnson, and they're going to say, okay, that receiver's covered, and they're going to try to find a way to throw the ball, to try to find Javelin Guidry or Tariq Lewis and continue to mimic the game plan of what USC did because that's what smart coaches do. And Mike Leach is very funny, and he's certainly very smart. They look at what has worked previously. Few coaches want to reinvent the wheel every week. And Mike Leach is going to look at what USC was able to do and say, well, our offense is similar. Let's try to take these three or four pass routes that worked for USC, and let's try to duplicate that. But uh, Jalen Johnson is a shutdown corner. That means whoever is being guarded by Jalen Johnson is going to be covered throughout the majority of that game. They're not even going to test him. Quarterbacks don't want to throw interceptions, and Jalen Johnson can make you pay. But it is going to be about Utah's second, third, and fourth corners. 
and they weren't good enough last week. And so I, I think Washington State will be smart and try to find ways to pick Utah apart in the shorter and intermediate routes. But Utah's got to make tackles, and Washington State's not going to break them the same way that USC did. I don't think Washington State will be as aggressive on the vertical routes. USC had the talent and the athletes to get vertical, and Matt Fink, I, I, again, I cannot explain that throwing motion. It's just so weird to see that much loft under a ball. It's not a high-velocity throw. It's a weird angled throw. Maybe that threw off the defensive backs. Maybe, I mean, it sounds like an excuse as soon as it's coming out of my lips. I, I don't know how to explain Matt Fink's passes taking eight seconds to get to a receiver <laughs> and there being a jump ball there. Uh, I, I don't think Gage Gabrud's ball is going to be that unique. But, yeah, if I'm Washington State, I'm looking at anybody covered by Tariq Lewis or Javelin Guidry, and I'm saying I'm going to throw to them until those corners step up and show they can play better than what they did last week. So I'm assuming that you think USC cannot replicate that performance against Washington. You think Washington will do the Utes and really everybody in the Pac-12 South who has a title hopes uh, do them a favor and beat SC? I don't know why Utah dialed up a shotgun read option play on the goal line. I am never a fan of running the quarterback on short yardage. It's not against Tyler Huntley. This goes back to as a player – I don't want the 190-pound pretty boy carrying the ball. I want a 210-pound wrecking ball of a running back in short yardage. So that drove me nuts last week when Utah struggled uh, in the red zone on the goal line. Utah had two field goals blocked. You know, Utah left points on the field. They doubled up kind of possession for US, or against USC in the first half. You cannot lose a game when you have more yards, more first downs, almost double the time of possession. It makes no sense that Utah could have lost under those circumstances. So USC has the athletes to create four or five incredible plays, and that won them the game. But I do not think you will see a game that was so poorly managed by the referees. Uh, Utah at times mismanaged USC on defense. So my point is I do not think USC is all of a sudden this big contender in the South. I think USC was very clearly the – the easy pick to be the second team in the South, but now they got to play Washington. They've got to play Notre Dame. And then we'll see if Khalil Tate starts to run around on you and, and USC starts missing tackles because their defense is on the field too much and Arizona's running the ball to maintain time of possession just like the youths did, you should be able to beat a team. I've never seen that where you're down in the first half and you've got double the time of possession. It just shows you the quick strike ability for USC. And, I mean, you guys tell me, what did you think of Matt Fink there throwing that ball? I mean, as soon as uh, the Slovis went down, you're thinking, okay, there's no way that Utah's defense is going to give up a play. And all of a sudden, Matt Fink is throwing these ducks through the air, and I think it threw off the timing for the Utes. But I, I do think you'll see USC come back down to earth, and I assume Utah will level out this week too. They'll get the running game going. And they've got to stop running Tyler Huntley so much. I didn't think we'd see a game where he had 18 carries under Andy Ludwig. But when your starting running back goes down, what are you supposed to do? So I think we need to cut down. I think we need to see Utah cut down on Tyler Huntley's running attempts, and then you'll see things even out for them. They had multiple guys averaging five or six yards a carry. I think if the star running back goes down, you give it to the second string guy and assume that you gave him a scholarship for a reason. I couldn't believe Huntley ran it 18 times. He took the first two carries 
after the Moss injury straight into the middle of the defensive line. I'm with you on the yeah. you know the 190 guy versus the 210 wrecking ball. I'll give it to the 210 wrecking ball. I thought Hundley had totally bought into the plan to run him less and keep him healthy the way he ran the ball in the first three games. He picked his spots. He got out of bounds. He got into the end zone. He slid. But against USC, he got hit a lot by really big guys. Not getting hit by a corner. He's getting hit by the front seven. And it's not even a debate anymore because we've seen Tyler Huntley get hurt each of the last two years that he's been starting. He's tough as nails, but you cannot take five and ten serious hits a game. You'll make it about a month. Now, he made it, I want to say it was eight games last year approximately. He made it a handful in his first year starting. I think he got hurt in the first month or so, and then that shoulder bothered him. Tyler Huntley's barely 200 pounds. You've never seen a 200-pound mobile quarterback in college football outside of Johnny Manziel have success. And maybe I'm missing somebody, but I can think of Cam Newton and Johnny Manziel, who were what we call, quote-unquote, and maybe Marcus Mariota. Let's put him in there. That we call uh, mobile quarterbacks that made it through the entire year. And if I'm missing one or two, fine. The point is, it's like five guys in the last 20 years that can be mobile and not get the ever-living snot knocked out of them. It's a violent game. And no one's trying to injure you, but they are trying to hurt you. They've got bad intentions. So when Tyler Huntley gets thrown to the ground, it's not, oh, where's the flag? It's, this is football, and Tyler Huntley needs to avoid that like the plague, avoid all contact. But I can understand in the heat of the moment, trying to get the first win against USC in the Coliseum in 100 years, I understand why Tyler Huntley would at times get aggressive and want to carry the ball, but there was a screw-up or two on the handoff, on the the option play, because I think Tyler Huntley was trying to make a play instead of giving it to a young running back. Or Either way, I would love to just see a regular handoff in certain situations. There's a place for the read option where you're optioning a defender and Huntley can keep it or you can give it to Brumfield or whatever, but how about just a regular inside handoff? It's not sexy. It doesn't need to be. Just turn around, give it to the running back, let him run downhill. But, man, Tyler Huntley's running ability, I think, has been way overblown. I think he's a good runner, but it's not worth it. I don't think he's a mobile, uh, a dual-threat guy. I think he's a really great passer who's athletic, and it's tough to see a quarterback have – when he leads the team in total carries – it's tough to see because we've seen that recipe fail the last two years for Tyler Huntley. If Tyler Huntley goes down, the Utes cannot win the Pac-12. They do not have the quarterback on campus right now to win them enough games without Tyler Huntley. So it was so terrifying to see Huntley take those hits against USC. So if a 190-pound football player is a pretty boy, what's a 180-pound radio host? Well, you guys are easily some of the prettiest guys in your studio right now. I mean, Hatch is okay, but I would say, you know, in terms of height, you know, DJ's probably going to be picked out by most of your female listeners as the most attractive because he's very tall, he's on TV. PK, you're on TV at times, but you're usually wearing goofy outfits and hats and costumes and masks, so... The, the women might view you as being less of a serious candidate, whereas, I don't know, DJ looks presidential. Uh, he's on the, the soccer calls uh, for RSL. He's uh, he's all over the place. So I think as far as prettiness goes, I think it's DJ, PK, and then Jake. Just as long as they identify me as a man, I'm okay. 
I think what PK's got... 2019. Yeah, you can be gender fluid now. It just depends. Whatever you want to be today is fine, and you're, you're not even legally allowed to judge that. I don't think he was listening, so I don't think he knows what you're talking about. And second off, PK has a gift of music. That's how, that's how he wins the ladies over. Oh, what a man, man what, what a man, like what the, a uh, mighty good PK. You got like uh, the piano action or whatever. Hey, chicks dig music, all right? I know uh, I learned to play guitar in middle school so I could play Jimi Hendrix's Star Spangled Banner in front of uh, one of these little talent shows to try to impress a gal. And I went up to her afterwards and told her she was the prettiest gal I'd ever seen. And uh, she didn't watch the performance. She had no idea who I was. So, you know, music can work or it can fail. Depends on how ugly you are. And I am I am that. <laughs> yeah, you talk about... Uh, them winning the South. I thought Tyler Huntley taking off like a chicken with his head cut off, basically, was I've got to make a play because not only do we need to win this game, but we're the favorites to win the South. And if we start 0-1, there goes our top 10 national ranking. There goes our playoff. And SC will have the tiebreaker, and we're screwed. I think the pressure on these guys finally being picked as the favorite in one game anyway, I don't necessarily believe it's going to work over the next eight but in the one game situation I thought it got the best of them and they've got to find a way to forget about all that which I know is very difficult and just relax and play football what is your thought well yeah I'm okay with my quarterback if I'm a coach selling out against USC on short yarded situations uh, in the goal line situation, you know, again, I, I would give the ball to the running back if I was calling plays, but I can understand if I'm a fan why Tyler Huntley was getting hit, taking those knocks from big guys just trying to make a play because it is USC. You haven't won there 100 years. But the issue is that Tyler Huntley is still not comfortable when his first read is covered. Now, he looks great against Idaho Tech, uh, Northern Illinois, Weber State, whatever, BYU at times. When Tyler Huntley's first option is open, think about the first drive against USC. He makes an amazing fade route throw to Jalen Dixon, an inside fade route. And Jalen Dixon is 5'9". So Tyler Huntley lofted a ball over a USC defender in between the safety before the safety could get there. Perfect placement. If you go back and watch that play, Tyler Huntley catches the snap, looks at Jalen Dixon, plants his back foot at the three-step throw, and he puts that ball right on the money. Now, look at the third and the fourth quarter. At times, Tyler Huntley's looking to his first receiver, and as soon as he has to move his head to try to find the number two guy in the progression, that's when Huntley starts to take off like there's pressure, and he's been doing that for three years. And, you know, Utah's offensive line stunk against USC, but I can tell you, as a former offensive lineman, I'm always going to look at the timing of the quarterback. Did the quarterback hold the ball for too long? Did the quarterback scramble? before he needed to? And the answer is yes for Tyler Huntley against USC. And I think he would have taken some of that pressure off the offensive line had he just planted his foot and thrown the dang ball. The safety, the play where he took a safety was one of those situations. You cannot go through your third and your fourth lead progression. Now, in that situation, when you're in your own end zone, find your first option, and if he's not there, throw it a mile out of bounds. But... Again, this is Tyler Huntley trying to make plays, trying to go through the read progression. Do that against Washington State or Oregon State. Uh, I don't think UCLA or Arizona's D-line, Colorado, I don't think their D-line's very good. USC's defensive line was very good. Your O-line was getting worked at times. Not picking up stunts and twists 
If a D end and a D tackle switch gaps, okay, it's a little weird to see, but you work on it a thousand times a week. There's no reason why Utah's offensive line should have struggled there. They got outplayed. But, again, Tyler Huntley needs to get rid of the ball quicker. And there are times where he's scrambling too much. And, he, he, you know, the commentators and the fans online, they'll say, oh, Huntley's so amazing at, at escaping pressure. Look at his escapability. Look at the way he rolled out of some of those tackles. And that is true. He has that. But also Tyler Huntley creates some of that on his own by trying to drop back in the pocket too much. No, you plant your foot. And if anything, you need to step up in the pocket. But Tyler Huntley needs to have a three-second rule. And that is that ball's got to be out of your hands in three seconds. And all this jumping around and trying to spin out of tackles, you know, you're going to you're going to cough up the football. I believe that's what happened against USC last year. Tyler Huntley was kind of spinning around, and J.T. Fafele knocked the ball out and ended up running it back for a touchdown. You know, you've seen Tyler Huntley make some amazing plays escaping pressure. Like the touchdown, the, the nail in the coffin touchdown to Stanford last year that really sealed that play. I mean, Tyler Huntley was sacked. He somehow bows his back and pulls himself out of it. Okay, all that's great. But that should not be the foundation of your offense. And Tyler Huntley is a guy that he's very comfortable when his first option is open. But his second option needs to be the check down. Maybe the youth need to work with him and say, just find that running back leaking out of the backfield if your first guy isn't there or throw the ball out of bounds. But I just don't think as a senior, now what, uh, four games in, you're going to see Tyler Huntley become this, this passer who wants to go through his progression patiently. It's not working. And I think Tyler Huntley's creating undue pressure on himself because he is trying to create plays when they're not there with his legs. When really just throw to your primary receiver or step up in the pocket, find your check down, or throw it out of bounds. I do not like this idea where you see Tyler Huntley's head whipping back and forth and he's trying to guess inside the pocket. It's not working out. And it's not going to come now with eight games left of your senior year. Kyle, we got like 30 seconds here real quick. Uh, Leach seems to have Kyle's number. The Washington State's won four in a row here. Do you think the Utes are going to get this done, break that streak, get to 1-1 in the conference, and win this game? I do, and I, I think Mike Leach's system has given the Utes problems because they do throw it with such high frequency and they test the edges. Uh, Utah should have won the game last year, and shoulda, woulda, coulda is a weird thing to say, but Utah should have won that game with their game plan a year ago. They went away from the run game. They won't do that this year. The Utes will never lose another game where they double up time of possession. My word. I think they're going to dominate time of possession against Washington State. I think they'll win the game. I do not believe, however, that Mike Leach has never sent an email. Kyle, we appreciate a few minutes. Thanks for joining us. DJ, PK, thank you, gentlemen. Kyle Gunther here every week talking football and uh, breaking down the Utes. All right, we are broadcasting live. Well, we're almost out of jazz gear. There's a few shirts left here at Murdoch Chevy and Woods Cross, but we got something new, PK. Enter to win two tickets. We're going to have a drawing at the end of the show. Somebody's going to go see Utah and Washington State tomorrow night. So when you stop by, you can help yourself to some of the jazz gear while it's left, but to also make sure you enter to win those tickets and see the Utes tomorrow night. We are in Woods Cross, Murdoch Chevrolet. Come on up and back. Uh, up the stairs, and uh, we're back here, and you can hang out with us for a while and uh, enter to win. 
DJ and PK brought to you in part by Action Plumbing. Action Plumbing, Heating and Air, looking for skilled HVAC technicians, plumbers, and electricians to join the Action Superhero Team. Paid training, health, dental benefits, and a 401k match. Call today and join the Action Plumbing Superhero Team at 801-833-3333. That's Action Plumbing. This, this, this is Hans Olsen and Scotty G. It's what you want. The head coach at Washington State, Mike Leach. In a Hollywood feature, what actor would you want to have play you? I've got no real connection with you, other than I've seen some of his movies. But um, just his mannerisms, at least uh, as they are on movies and things. I've always thought John Cusack might be a good one. Would it be a romantic comedy? Yeah, that's right. It'd be, it'd be a romantic comedy, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Who would play your love interest in the movie? Oh, somebody smoking hot that uh, <laughs> talks me into dubious behavior, you know? And hopefully uh, they make it a hard R so we can have some fun, you know what I mean? <laughs> Catch Hans and Scotty every day from noon to three. Presented by your Rocky Mountain Chevy dealers on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. We're broadcasting live from Murdoch Chevrolet, 2375 South, 625 West in Woods Cross, right by the freeway. You can't miss it. we got a few jazz shirts left. PK's wearing the last cap. You can come by and help yourself. Also, we're signing folks up now to enter to win two tickets to go to the Utah-Washington State game tomorrow night at 8 o'clock when you uh, – Sign in. It's free. Just enter to win. I'll have a drawing at the end of the show and find out who gets the tickets to go see the Utes and the Cougars again. All right, PK, we just heard from uh, Kyle Gunther. He thought about 57 different things about the game. Any one of them jump out at you? Any one? No, I wouldn't say any one because I don't think you can look at this team and say, Nate, absolutely need to do this because if they absolutely do this but don't do that and something else then they're going to be hosed it's about playing a complete game in a lot of different ways and there's three aspects of football obviously so you need to find ways to be consistent there now they've been really good on lack of turnovers and you hope that uh, that doesn't come up to bite them at some point they've been excellent you know they could as Kyle would say want more takeaways uh, but Sometimes that's up to the other guy, and you have to just be in the position. I was surprised they didn't get more picks, given that the, the ball, ball was, was in the air so and much. It was, yeah. and, and it was a, those long passes, by definition, are going to stay up in the air longer than a three-step drop and a slant or what have you. And so uh, I thought that they would have come down with more than than that and i think they have that opportunity to come down with more because you know we look at utah as being disappointing but really their disappointment was nothing compared to washington state's disappointment so washington state has to bounce back just as much if not more because they have high high expectations too and you know they're the ones who committed all those turnovers last game what are they going to do now how much of that is going to be in their mind so i think the pressure of the moment has really turned into a wash because both teams certainly you would say washington state more if you're going to pick one of those teams to lose last week you would have picked utah rather than the cougars and the cougars just blew it in spectacular fashion man unbelievable fashion i mean you may never see you literally may never see a game like that again in your life 
in a team that's 0-3 and is showing no signs of offense going in scoring 60-some points. It's really just incredible. So the amount of pressure on these guys is equal or more. Because I just don't think that it was a disappointment having the Utes lose. I understand that completely. But I don't think it was just a zap all the energy, all the air out of the balloon is gone. And now you got a balloon just flailing to the ground with nothing to it. They lost to SC by seven points on a road. That's, that's not that big of a deal. Whereas losing the, the way the Washington State did, that's not only a big deal. That's a big deal times 50. So how do both teams respond accordingly? That's what's going to be the fascinating aspect of this game to me to see how that plays out. So it's a secondary. They had an off game. They didn't match up well with three NFL wide receivers or they really are vulnerable. They're not that good. They don't have the depth when you throw four receivers at them and you rotate those receivers through and over the course of the game, you just have some breakdowns. Because the youths weren't bad playing in and play out against USC. But, man, they gave up four really big plays. Three of them touchdowns, but the, the 40-yard pass late in the game on the, you know. That was devastating. The, yeah, it, it, that was a huge blow. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, so, yeah. It's those four. So are you good down in and down out? Yeah, but it isn't always win, about winning every play. There's a handful of plays that flip games. So I think the linebackers in the secondary were overrated, and they are overrated. But that doesn't mean they're not good enough to win because they can still be both. You can be overrated but still be good enough to win. I think the defensive line is the only aspect of the team that has or is capable of matching the hype because I think we overhyped it a lot. Big time overhyped it. I think that the linebackers are okay. The secondary is decent enough to win them enough games, to win them the South, actually. But I don't think they're this shut down, and nobody's going to be able to do anything against them. That's already been proven, so I don't see how you can argue with that. Yeah, I don't know that we overhyped the linebackers, and that was kind of a question mark. I mean, I think it comes down to the secondary. And. You know, they had breakdowns in other games. You know, teams sometimes get better over the course of the season, and maybe they will, or maybe this is just going to keep being an issue. And if it's an issue against Washington State, that's exactly the issue Washington State wants well, to see, have. Well, see, I think what you have to look at with the Utes is you pretty much know going in, it's going to be a struggle to run the ball. So what is your preparation during the week? You're going to say, it. well, we're just going to just screw that. We're, we're, we're a run team, and we're just going to knock our heads against the wall. No. So naturally, you're going to have some form of success throwing the ball against these guys because you know you probably can't run it. So that's what you're going to work on. And guys are going to get open you can have phenomenal great coverage and it could still be a 15 yard yard completion if the play is just better than your coverage and you're doing everything conceivable and the ball is thrown as the receiver's cutting and it's on the money yada yada and so those types of things happen so these teams are going to have success throwing the ball against them because if they didn't then this defense would be the freaking 85 bears so are there more big plays for the utes 
if the ball's going to be up in the air that often. Because they made one against SC, and it paid off. They got a pick at midfield. They ran it back into the red zone. The offense came out at like the 17-yard line or something like that, and they got a touchdown, and they got back in the game. Yes, because I think against Washington State, you're going to need that because your offense is not going to be able to match their offense in quick score, big score, play, big play capability. So you're going to need help from the defense. And however which way you get that help, because it wasn't UC Los Angeles offense who scored all those 67 points. They had special team scores. And the defense set up the offense in phenomenal position multiple times, too. So that's the ultimate team game being football. So the defense is going to have to play play better in that way and take some of the pressure off the offense because the offense, it's never been. Utah's offense rarely, if ever, certainly not consistently, has been able to just blow people away down the field with all these big plays and these dazzling things that they do, blah, 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 blah. And now if they're not going to be without Moss and Covey, that hurts even more. And so with that in mind, you're going to need help on the other end. Yes, that's an absolute. In order for this team to win this ball game, they're going to need some help from their defense. Defense. They're going to have to find ways to come up with those takeaways and even get the scores or put the offense in excellent position to score with the short fields. Even when they thrilled everybody with the 40-point game and the win at Stanford last year, Johnson had the 100-yard pick six in it. It wasn't all the offense. And, yeah, there was a great big a long touchdown pass late in the game. It was pretty dramatic. And Moss broke off a long TD run. But that pick six was a big play. It was a huge momentum swinger in the middle of the game. And they're going to need something like that, you would think, against Washington State. All right, you can go, uh, you can go to our Facebook page, comment. We're getting your, uh, your picks, your predictions, DJ and PK. Got polls up online on all the games this weekend. You can go vote on my Twitter feed, David DJ James. And you can use the phone, use the app, use the open mic feature, and send us your takes on the game. 855-340-ZONE. we got another open segment, and then we got Brian Keel to talk BYU football at 9 o'clock right here on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. We are live right now. Murdoch Chevy in Woods Cross, 2375 South, 625 West. You can visit them online, MurdochChev.com, MurdochCHEV.com. they got discounts on 2019 models right now, up to $11,000 in savings on a 2019 Silverado, up to eight thousand dollars off a 2019 chevy equinox We've also got zero percent apr for 72 months on a 2019 silverado so a lot of deals also if you're looking for breakfast come into murdoch chevy this morning you grab a complimentary breakfast burrito from sweeto burrito and you get twenty dollars off any service this morning so if you're looking to service your car now's the time and we got fans dropping by entering to win utah and washington state tickets you can do that right now stop by and enter to win we got a tablet right here you can knock it out in a minute or two dj and pk two tickets to see utah and washington state tomorrow night eight o'clock rice Eccles stadium stop by murdoch chevy in woods cross and enter to win dj and pk it's 97.5 and 1280 the zone Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. The season was always going to have its questions for Utah. 
can they win in the Coliseum? Can Winningham beat Peterson? Can he beat Leach? Can the Utes win the conference championship and play in the Rose Bowl? Well, three out of those four are still open. There's Tom going big picture using the open mic on the app. He's correct. 0-4 in the Coliseum. 0-4 in the last four against Leach. 1-6 all-time against Chris Peterson. Those are the hurdles that have to be cleared if they're going to get to the Pac-12 title. And we knew that months ago. Yep. And the first one didn't get cleared. And here comes the second one. Got a poll question going. We're over 100 votes. 61% of the people picking the Utes. 39% picking the Cougars. Fair amount of confidence. Is Eric confident? He joins us right now. 855-340-ZONE. Eric, good morning. Hey, good morning, guys. Uh, I chatted with you guys before the USC game, and we were, we were talking about how some of the U fans were worried about uh, this or that, or they didn't want uh, they, they wanted they wanted uh, BYU to beat USC or USC to beat BYU. And, and our dialogue was it it shouldn't matter, uh, right? Okay, it shouldn't matter who no. won because we needed to be confident. And and you know here we are. You know we, we saw that it, it, we wishing were overrated, and uh, that's just you know in my opinion. It's why why we love the underdog position because there's there's when you're in the spotlight it's just a different it's just a different way of behaving and it takes a long time to get the program to where we win all those big games um, but I saw it in the NIU game you know when we our, our secondary was remember we we lost we, we we gave up 17 points in the first half against NIU so here we yeah. are. Yeah, thanks for the call. I, I I would agree with that. The the spotlight on these guys is just shining ever so brightly, and I don't know that the spotlight individually these guys are used to it. Certainly, that has they're not used to it in college because that it hasn't been. They've never been to this position, and the the overrating thing was interesting because, and I was on the field Saturday Friday night, and I heard some SC fans chanted, and you knew that's the cliche, everybody does it. But when you're rated that high, there's only a few teams that are going to live up to that because you're going to lose a game. And then once you lose that game, yo, you're overrated. So I think you got to get past that, and Utah needs to not worry about that ranking, not need to worry about winning the South, and I still think that the talk of, well, uh, somebody's going to lose. No one's going to go undefeated. That means your eye is on the big picture. And it's okay to have your eye on the big picture if you can live up to it. And they're 0 for 1 in living up to it. I would rather say, hey, you know, we're not even going to worry about that now. I mean, we, we talked about that all preseason and whatnot. And so now let's just forget about that. And it's all about beating Washington State. Because then you're not only worrying about, beating Washington State, but because you need teams to lose in the South, tomorrow could actually be a downer of a day, even if you win. Because USC goes up and beats Washington. Precisely. Like, Dang it, if they can beat Washington. Right. Who are they going to lose to? I know. Yeah. I, I've thought this. That was why I got into that whole Rocky Cliff thing. But that's, why, but that's the very reason why you shouldn't do that tomorrow. Yeah. You should celebrate because they'll be playing. When you take the field, you'll know the result. And yeah. suppose SC finds a way. I don't think they'll do it. But suppose they find a way to beat Washington and Seattle. You're telling me a win over by, by you, what you're saying is then a win over Washington State. That's not really that good. This was not a good day. 
because you need those guys to lose a couple of ball games, and they didn't lose a couple. They didn't. They lost the one we. Or they didn't lose the one we thought they were going to lose. Oh my gosh! So next week, well, next week's a bye. But and then, yeah, then so after Oregon that, State. Oregon State's probably not that much pressure. But, I think USC, but then after that, it's like the conference race goes on hiatus here. Because USC has a bye and a game with Notre Dame. So after Washington, it's going to be three weeks before they play a conference game. So you're going to stress about it for all three weeks then? (laughs) That doesn't make any sense. It depends on if you let yourself. Well, but they are. They already are. Kyle's said it multiple times. Well, no team is going to go, who cares about that? That's not what your worry is. And so you could have that by Friday, Saturday night, tomorrow night. You could have a disappointing day beating Washington State. That's why you need to eliminate that from your memory completely and don't even think about that. Well, whether they'll win a game or they'll lose a game, they need to lose two. No, that dictates whether you had success or not. No, that's not the way to think. They need to be worried about beating Washington State exclusively and nothing else. And if they win and win that ball game, then they sing the fight song, they jump up and down in the locker room like they always do, do their interviews and go home happy yes because the flip side of that is that what if washington does get it done and you and get to win and then you lose well what good did they do the washington beat usc right. i mean i suppose it kind of sort of kept you in it but now you got the two losses and you know well that's, he's got to lose two more then that's the wrong way. You're going to get smothered by that. You cannot win that ball game. That mental game that you're playing would be too much to overcome. You'll you would just be beating your head against the wall over and over again. Forget about that stuff. Who cares? That's not the goal right now. That's the long term goal. That's like uh, I buy a house. And I got a 30-year mortgage payment, and every month I look at it. Oh my gosh, it only went it only went down seven dollars. You know, my, my principal, if I don't add right. any extra principal. Don't worry, but you got 30 years. So don't even think about it now. And you, when I was a freshman in college, oh, my gosh, I'm never going to get through this. I got four or five years of this, and I'm paying for my own. I'm wasting my money here. I paid for every cent. Oh, my God, this is overwhelming. And I'm not speaking hypothetically here. I know you are. I can, <laughs> I can hear the tension in your voice. Yeah. <laughs> and so How put do you- your head down and go through and do it day to day, right? I had somebody tell me once, how do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. And I couldn't really get around. Well, what do I want to eat an elephant for? How about, I would for you a burrito. Because we got some burritos right over your well, I know uh, how right, I eat that. Your, I, I just inhale them. Your in right a, shoulder. I inhale them in a commercial break. There's no chance. Well, but that. see, one man's hail is another man's one bite. Fact. Right. All right, TJ and PK, when we come back, Brian Keel, BYU linebacker, the former Cougar, joins us as BYU heads off to Toledo. DJ and PK, we will talk with him about life after Tyson Williams. We'll do that next, 97.5 at 1280 The Zone.